Blog Talk Radio. Fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, that's it! Hey, does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, that's it! Hey, beat does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, that's it! Fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, that's it! Pain does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, that's it! Defeat does not exist in this dojo, does it? Good 30 minutes lined up for you tonight of the fastest paced MMA news and opinion on this Blog Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Majority MMA. Like us on Facebook, The Majority Decision. And please do subscribe to the show to have it downloaded directly to your listening device every time a new show is dropped is every Friday and Sunday, usually around 10 p.m., live, give or take a few. A slow week in the world of mixed martial arts, so I figured I'd open up the show with just telling you a little bit about how my day went. Of course, I'm sure everybody's really interested in how my day went. For those of you that uh, don't know, Texas, um, especially the Houston area, has been bombarded by a huge storm. Uh, the last couple of days, which has brought along with it uh, quite a bit of flooding uh, in my area and um, certainly some very dangerous situations around here. So everybody's listening in that area, please stay safe. And don't forget, if you don't, if it doesn't look like you can make it through the road or you can't see the road through the water, don't try to drive through it. I saw uh, on my way home today, um, I saw some responders going out to help someone who was stranded out in the middle of a water-covered road, and that's a tough situation. As a matter of fact, the lady right down the road from us tried to make it down one of our streets here in the neighborhood and uh, didn't make it. Her car, which she just bought two weeks ago, a Mazda 6, stalled out on her, and uh, she was forced to flag down help and push it off to the side. So if you're out in that weather, and it doesn't look safe, don't do it. Anyway, so back to me, because as a great Ric Flair once said, I'd like to take this moment to talk a little bit about myself. So the weather's really bad, and I'm going out, and I'm working. I'm doing my thing. My wife's out working, doing her thing, and uh, she gets cut off a little bit early from work, so she heads back to our neighborhood here. And it's, of course, it's pouring, raining cats and dogs, as you can imagine. And she goes and turns into the neighborhood. The road looks a little bit dangerous. And like I just said, it looks like you can't pass it. You probably shouldn't. 
she drives a little Ford Fusion, uh, sits a little bit lower to the ground, so she's going to try to make it through there. And then all of a sudden, her car begins to float, so she stops right where she's at, pulls into the nearest driveway, and basically is wondered if she's stranded for the time being. Well, being the tough lady that she is, she says, you know what, my house is just a few blocks away. I'm going to leave my car here, leave the neighbors a note, and head off walking down to the house. So she walked a good quarter mile, half a mile almost. Of course, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit. But anyway, she walked right through the rain, through all of the knee-deep water, lost her shoe, caught off some snakes. Her umbrella got turned inside out by all the wind. So big props to my wife for toughing it out, doing what a lot of people chose not to do. She walked directly through the storm and found um, her way back home. For me, on the other hand, I came home just a little while later and immediately after hearing her story, pretty much knowing that I wasn't going to be able to make it back in to get home. Um, some people had parked there at the end of the neighborhood, and uh, so I figured I'd do the same. I was lucky that uh, some people had, at that point, who had a big jacked-up Ford truck were kind of going back and forth and helping people uh, get get to their homes while they were parking at the front of the neighborhood. There's a shell station that's pretty new. Uh, right there at the front of the neighborhood. And um, uh, so I got lucky. I left my van there at the front of the neighborhood, hopped in a truck, got right back to the house, and made it in safe and warm from the storm. Uh, Big unprops and un... I don't know what the term would be, unlike to the shell station at the end of the neighborhood who threatened to tow the poor stranded people who were parking their cars and walking through the storm to get home. They're parking their cars in the Shell station, which has plenty of parking. And believe me, in the middle of the storm, the guy was not going to miss out on any business, allowing just a few handful of cars, maybe 10, 15 at the most, to park in his parking lot. He was actually threatening people, telling them that they would tow their car, or at least that's the word that was going around the neighborhood. Uh, so, uh, Unprops to that guy. But uh, anyway, so that's my storm story for the day. As far as I know, everybody I know is safe and sound. Thank God for that. Let's get into a little bit of uh, the world of mixed martial arts, which is what we cover here on this Great Majority Decision podcast. A little bit of uh, movement on the George St. Pierre comeback front. Looks like uh, it, it, it seems like with every week that goes by, it seems more and more likely that the longtime welterweight champion, uh, George St. Pierre, is going to be making his return. Of course, the big rumor was they wanted him to fight Conor McGregor, and we're looking to get that fight done. For UFC 200, for whatever reason, weren't able to get that done. Of course, we all know the big debacle that went down there with Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor and retired for a day and blah, 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 all those different things. But 
George St. Pierre, of course, one of the big fights that a lot of people have been kind of throwing around for him should he come back is a potential fight with Conor McGregor. Well, apparently, uh, some people close to the probably one of the greatest fighters of all time, uh, George St. Pierre, uh, apparently he's not interested in Conor McGregor. And you know what? At this point, um, I don't blame him. I mean, what does Conor McGregor do for George St. Pierre? Other than other than give him a big payday, which he's arguably going to get with or without Conor McGregor. I mean, I think it's safe to say that a George St. Pierre comeback fight, no matter who it's, who it's against, it's going to be a huge draw. And uh, it's going to uh, deepen the already deep pockets of one of the biggest draws in UFC history. And with him... With Conor McGregor losing to Nate Diaz at 170, a fight with Conor McGregor doesn't make any sense for George St. Pierre. Uh, Conor's already lost at 170. George St. Pierre coming in and mauling Conor McGregor, which would probably be the most likely outcome. And when I say maul, maul in the George St. Pierre way, which means wrestle out wrestle the guy for 25 minutes and just fight a smart fight. I mean, George, George is kind of the king of that, right? I mean, he's the king of fighting the smart, safe fight, doing what he has to do to win, not letting the crowd push him to step outside of his bounds and get caught up in slugfests and, and striking matchups with a guy that he can't, with guys that he can't necessarily outstrike. And don't get me wrong, George St. Pierre's not a, not a slouch on his feet. Um, he does a great job of using his jab, and, and it's a long jab that he can throw from, from several different angles. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, as well-documented, George St. Pierre strengthens his wrestling. And, uh, and, and, and without, a, without a doubt, what we've learned about Conor McGregor is that ground game is not his strength. And I questioned that even way back when he was fighting, when he fought Chad Mendez on two weeks' notice or three weeks' notice or however long it was. Chad Mendez, who in my opinion was clearly done cardio-wise, three minutes into the fight, absolutely done, still had no problem taking Conor McGregor down to the ground. Granted, Conor got up and he did a good job of working his way out of some Submission attempts by uh, by Mendez, but uh, the biggest hole in McGregor's game right now is his ground game, and that's George St. Pierre's strength. Anyway, I didn't want to get into a big analyze anal, over analyze a fight that's not going to happen. So the question then is, if George St. Pierre is going to fight Conor McGregor, does he fight Nate Diaz? Does does that fight interest? George St. Pierre, a Diaz coming off the biggest, most lucrative win of his career, arguably the biggest win of his career. But at the end of the day, you can always come back and say, well, yeah, he won. He beat a guy at 170 who normally fights at 145. So maybe it wasn't that as big of a win as, as we give it credit for. Well, in name value, and certainly monetarily, it was easily the biggest fight 
that Nate Diaz has ever won. And a fight with George St. Pierre at 170, uh, you know, that might make sense. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, if I'm George St. Pierre, I've got a big decision to make. And and that, that decision is, depending upon what the UFC is offering me, do I want to come back cold after multi multiple years out of the game, even though I've, I've trained and I'm back training full-time, do I want my first fight back to be for the UFC welterweight title, a title that George St. Pierre never lost? Does he want to step in there with Robbie Lawler, his first fight back? Does he want to step in there, Tyron Woodley, his first fight back? Should Tyron Woodley be able to get the job done? The question here is, does he want to risk, take the risk of his first fight back being for a title? And why is it a risk, you might ask? Well, it's a risk because if he loses and doesn't gain back the title, the UFC welterweight championship that he never lost, well, some might argue and say that he he, he lost it to Johnny Hendricks, um, but, uh, and, and that was just a bad decision. But uh, I, I, would have to, I would have to disagree, but it was a close fight. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give anybody who wants to say that uh, I'll, I can agree with. But, but the question here again is, does he want to risk fighting for the title right off the bat Taking into consideration the layoff, taking into consideration the potential for re-rust, taking into consideration the, the pressure and the stress of a comeback fight. I mean, George St. Pierre, to me, has always been a guy that looks for excellence in, in everything that he does athletically and puts a lot of pressure on himself to perform, uh, puts a lot of pressure on the people around him to perform and to have him ready. And he'll be as ready, no matter what his comeback fight is, he'll be ready or as ready as he can be. But will all of those mental things take a, take a toll on him? Will bring rest take a toll? And if it takes a toll in a title fight where he loses, he kind of sets himself back where now he's got to win probably two to three fights to get back up into title contention, where his other option would be to fight someone uh, outside of the top five potentially or someone maybe in the four to eight range, someone who, quote, unquote, might be a favorable victory for George St. Pierre and then set up a title fight. So he's coming, So he would come in and he would get a fight with, let's say, let's say, Damian Maya, the number four ranked welterweight in the world right now, arguably a guy who deserves a title shot. Uh, uh, Damian Maya, or or a uh, what about a Matt Brown coming off of a loss? I think Matt Brown just got locked in with another fight, but uh, uh, someone along those lines. Uh, Neil Magny, I'm not sure what he's doing uh, off the top of my head, but. Um, 
you know, a, a guy like that, I, I don't know if that would be the better option for him. Take a take a fight with a guy who's not in that top three or four, three range. Get the ring rust out. Be comfortable with the pressure again, and then look to get a title shot, which he's going to get regardless, and he deserves. So, barring a comeback fight loss, uh, the guy's going to get the title shot. And to me, it seems more likely that he's going to come back and get a title shot immediately. Um, But, you know, again, my question is, is that really the best decision, Uh, given the layoff, given the time off? Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Time will tell. Um, I'll say this, though. Having George St. Pierre back in the UFC will be a shot in the arm for the UFC. Uh, It's exciting for me as a fan. It's exciting uh, to see who who they're going to pair him up with. And um, hopefully hopefully they can get that fight done soon. 929-477-1077. Please need to lock to us live and get in a conversation. Do you think George St. Pierre should fight back? Do you think he should get a title shot? Do you think he should uh, take a fight underneath the title shot? Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Majority MMA. So Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz is seems to be in some sort of a limbo um, or a, a waiting pattern. They wanted him to fight Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor wants the rematch with Nate Diaz, which both the Black Belt and I have said repeatedly is a terrible idea. Conor McGregor, if it's and it doesn't matter if it's at 155 or 170, bad matchup for him. Conor McGregor needs to stay as far away from Nate Diaz as he can. His best option is to go back to 45, defend that belt, or give that belt up and make a full-time commitment to to 155. Uh, 170 for Conor McGregor should not be in the cards. Uh, you know, and I don't know what he could do to change his body that is in the realm of of the uh, PED standards and practices to have his power and his uh, athleticism translate up to 170. Because 145 to 170 is a big difference. That's a huge difference. I mean, you're talking about guys that, at 170, they're cutting from 190 to get down to 170. Some some guys even get up to as big as 200. Ronald Johnson was sitting at 220, and he was cutting down to 170. Of course, he never made weight. But, uh, you know, Josh Koscheck was cutting from 195. Nate Diaz has said on multiple occasions that, that he, he, he would uh, creep up to around 200. Uh, my guess is Conor McGregor's normal walking weight is probably around 165. And uh, so, you know, for him to make that change is, would require a lifestyle change. But uh, anyway, back to Nate. So clearly, in my opinion, what Nate Diaz is doing is probably he's cl- he, he may be close to touching, to, to getting to the line, right? Um 
it's a money grab, and I don't blame him. Um, you know, he said in multiple interviews, I think he had an interview with Errol Hawani where he was talking about how he's done just taking whatever fight that they want to throw at him, and he's ready to uh, try to rip and grip all of the money that he possibly can. And it's hard to begrudge him at doing that. I mean, arguably right now, Nate Diaz, as a named fighter, is worth more than he has ever been worth. And, you know, for him to play a little bit hard at the negotiation table is uh, is, is probably a little bit understandable. But at the same time, what Nate Diaz has to be careful of is that he doesn't doesn't play too hard to get because if he plays too hard to get uh, he might find himself on the outside looking in and the longer that he waits and it hasn't been too long but the longer that he waits the more the buzz will fizzle so to me in my opinion it, it is his best interest to not play too much hardball with the UFC and try to get something nailed down real soon. And what that might be, I don't know. Uh, my guess is that they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to baby Connor. They're going to get Connor what he wants. He's the golden goose right now. That's fine. And uh, so my guess is that they're going to shake this thing out and they're going to come to some sort of a financial agreement with that Diaz is happy with and that uh, the UFC is happy with or or as close to being everyone as happy as they possibly can be, and uh, they're going to get that fight done. And it wouldn't surprise me if they peg uh, the Madison Square Garden card for that fight. You know, I I know they're going to want to do it big. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine if they got... Conor McGregor and the interim 145-pound champion, whether, it may, whether it's Jose Aldo or Frankie Edgar on that card, or Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, plus George St. Pierre comeback fight, plus Ronda Rousey return. I mean, that would be huge. And, again, I don't know what New York has done to deserve it. Uh, apparently, uh, everyone still thinks that New York is the be-all, end-all, Madison Square Garden, and it is a famed arena. And it does have a lot of history, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, you know, they're about 16 years too late. Um, you know, they're, they're 10 years late to the party at least. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So this Sunday, we've got UFC Fight Night 88, the 88th edition of UFC Fight Night. Man, can you believe that? Can you believe that? 88 cards under the Fight Night brand and banner. This one's coming to us from Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay. Solid card. Um you know, not quite pay-per-view uh, worthy, but man, I tell you what, there are some very, very good fights on this card. Right off the bat, in the preliminary card on the UFC Fight Pass, 
You got Aljamain Sterling, Brian Caraway. This is a great fight. This is a great fight right here. Um, uh, on Fight Pass, which I won't get to see, and probably many of you won't get to see, because we don't shell out the money for Fight Pass. But this is a great fight. This is an interesting fight uh, in the uh, in the Bantamweight division. Brian Caraway ranked number eight. Aljamain Sterling undefeated, ranked number four. Some big chess for uh, Sterling. Uh, Caraway's a, a, a pretty well-rounded fighter. He was on a good roll before I think he lost his last fight out. And um, I, I like this fight a lot. I, I'm excited for it. I had to, I had to lay a pick on it. I think, uh, I think I'd have to lean towards uh, Sterling. I think Sterling is is uh is just probably the more athletic of the two and, and Brian Caraway Caraway's no strout, no slouch. Uh, but uh, that should be a great fight. Uh just moving up the card a little bit. Uh, you got Sarah McMahon, former women's bantamweight title challenger and Ronda Rousey victim. Sarah McMahon taking on Jessica Evil Eye or Jessica Stink Eye, however you want to say, whichever one might get a little childish giggle out of you. Uh, both these ladies have kind of struggled the past couple of fights, but uh, both, uh, I think, very good fighters, uh, very solid fighters. The big question with Sarah McMahon is she just hasn't been the same. Uh, she hasn't been the same since she lost to Ronda Rousey. I mean, she lost a close fight to Lauren Murphy. Lost the majority decision to Misha Tate and got choked out by Amanda Nunes in the first round. I mean, she just hasn't been the same. Her last couple of fights, her last three fights after Rousey versus her first seven fights before Rousey, uh, something's wrong with her psyche. And I and I hope that she can turn it around. But uh, I think this is uh, Jessica I's uh, fight to lose. I really do. Um, she can uh, avert the wrestling of Sarah McMahon. I think she can outstrike her, and I think that's what we're going to see. Kicking off the main card on Fox Sports 1. I'm going to run through these real quick. You got Josh Bergman and Paul Fielder. I like Josh Bergman in that fight, though Paul Fielder's no slouch. It would surprise me if Paul Fielder gets the win. Jorge Masvidal. Versus Lorenzo Larkin, another great matchup uh, of two up-and-coming welterweights. Uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Larkin coming off a loss. And uh, Jorge Masvidal also coming off a loss and, and a little bit of a layoff. Um, so this is a good matchup. I like Masvidal to win this one. You got Tarek Safferdine and Rick Story. I think I like Safferdine in that one. Hit him on Jeremy Stevens. This is an interesting fight. Two powerful guys. Um, two guys that can finish fights. Wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Jeremy Stevens pull off a bit of an upset against the former champ and uh, knock him out. That's kind of what I'm holding out for. Um, that's what I'd like to see happen. And then, of course, the main event of the night, like I talked about, where Thomas. Thomas Almeida 
and uh, Corey Gravant. I like Thomas Almeida in this one. Thomas Almeida kind of sneaking under the radar here, and uh, I think he's going to get the win. But uh, again, another just outstanding fight. Uh, so Sunday uh, for free. Um, this is uh, a very solid card. You know, you can't beat free. And um, I think uh, I think off the bottom, you won't be disappointed. Don't forget, be right back here Sunday, 10 p.m. Right here on Blog Talk Radio. Follow us on Twitter at the MMA. Like us on Facebook. Twitter, 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 Twitter.